Hello and welcome to How Inappropriate, the podcast where we ask the question, could this movie get made today? I am your host, Kira Allen, and I am so glad you're back with us for another week. We've got a great movie planned for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Joining me again this week is uh, our guest from our stellar Weekend at Bernie's episode, uh, filmmaker, Chicago-based director, artist, uh, production, uh, executive producer, and CEO of SEI Entertainment, Mr. David Johnson. Thank you, David, for joining us again. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad you're with us. We had a lot of fun on the Weekend at Bernie's episode. Oh, yeah. That was dope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've never talked so much about sex with dead people. (laughs) (laughs) That's because we don't hang out as much as we used to. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to make time for that. Uh, And I'm very... uh, thrilled to have another friend and special guest on the show. Uh, He is the head writer for We the Internet TV. He's half of the comedy duo Greg and Lou, and he is the co-host of the political comedy podcast Unsafe Space, Lou Perez. Lou, welcome to the show. Hey, I I gotta say, right off the bat, I'm so jealous that you got to talk about Weekend at Bernie's. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I, I haven't had a reason to watch that movie in like 30 years so uh you're blessed well you'll have to go back if you and... haven't watched it in 30 years go back and watch it yeah uh-huh. no you'll have to go back is, and is there a necrophilia scene <laughs> you don't remember that i don't re- i don't remember uh, specifically I, I i probably watched it when i was so young that i didn't understand what like uh you know necrophilia was so maybe i didn't know what they were doing maybe i thought they were dancing or something but <laughs> that's interesting yeah uh, yeah yeah I think uh, let's your lady's cooking in the background. I think it can hear her. Just to let the listeners know, okay. don't worry, don't worry too much about it, Lou. That's all right. I can move. You guys get to. Yeah. Okay. Since I'm the only one with with uh, with visual on my on my on my Skype, you guys get to see uh, kind of what my apartment looks like. So. It just shows that Lou's a real man. His woman's back there cooking. That's right. Right. Barefoot in the kitchen where she belongs. Not pregnant, though. Not pregnant. Not yet so. that you know. Not, not yet. We'll see how good this meal is, and then I'll give her, a, <laughs> give her a gift of a baby. If this meal is good enough, she gets a baby put in her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Let's get into the meat of this. Our story is Dirty Harry. And before we get started, this is a 1971 Clint Eastwood vehicle. Um, IMDb describes it as when a madman calling himself the Scorpio Killer menaces the city, tough as nails, San Francisco police inspector Harry Callahan is assigned to track down and ferret out the crazed psychopath. Uh, First question, Lou, have you ever seen this movie before? You know, it's funny. It's it's one of those um, it's one of those movies. It's it's like a touchstone for you know cinema and. uh, you know, um, uh, hero worship and stuff. And everybody knows Dirty Harry, but this is the first time I've ever watched it, uh, watched the entire movie. Um, you know, but well, well, then again, I'm kind of a weirdo. Like, I just, like, I'm, I'm not kidding. Last week, I saw the original Star Wars, the first oh three, God. for the first time. Podcast yeah, so I'm, over. I'm a... This is, get off my, <laughs> this is over. This, you didn't I know, tell I'm me weird, this. I'm a weirdo like that. So this was the first time where, you know, I actually, you know, uh, saw the the thing in its entirety. And it felt long. It felt like a longer movie than the uh, hour and 45 minutes. But. Yeah. Dave, have you seen it before? 
I'm sorry. I'm still trying to get over the shock of him saying he just saw Star Wars. No, I know. I'm sorry that but I, I get it now. Oh, do you? I know why people love it. Okay. I understand oh now why people love it. It totally it 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 is deserving of the worship that it gets. I totally totally I totally get it. Well, I'm glad you I have feel the like right I just opinion. Stepped of into it. a different dimension or something. This it's is just bizarre. It's crazy. It's really. It's like it's like meeting someone who'd never heard of Santa Claus. It's just like what. Okay, Lou. Right. Well, next time I'll properly vet my guests before I have them on the <laughs> show. I've made a grave mistake. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, Dave, <laughs> the shock of, of Lou's announcement aside, have you seen this movie before? You, you know, what's interesting is, is different from Weekend at Bernie's, which we talked about, uh, you know, I hadn't seen in almost 30 years or however long it was. Dirty Harry is actually one of those movies I probably watch every other year. Oh wow! It's just, oh, wow. It's, it's it, as a filmmaker, I, it was interesting watching uh, uh, the the style of the movie, and it was funny that he was saying that uh, Lou was saying that the the pacing was so much slower than the hour and forty five minutes felt like. But I I dig the way they did movies back in the seventies. You know, mm-hmm. I like that they took the time to kind of tell backstories and elongated shots and and uh, uh, you know all of this to give background to who these people were. Um, but no, D- Dirty Harry. I mean, I know just about every line. From that wow, <laughs> I had no idea. That's all. I didn't know that when I asked you to do this one. That's cool. Yeah, um, and that is something that I was really anxious to talk to you about, Dave, because you are a filmmaker, and that was one thing that I noticed about the movie is that um, it is, as far as cinematography is concerned. It just it, it lingers, you know. There are so many loving shots of the city, and I I'm like Lou, like I I thought, oh gosh, this this drags. And originally, I thought this movie had been made in 1977, and then when I looked it up, it was 71, and it kind of gave me a different perspective. I thought, well, this is probably kind of groundbreaking for that mm. time period. And so, uh, while as a a 2017 viewer, the pace was too slow for me. Um, as hmm. somebody who appreciates movie and, and films, I thought that I was really impressed with the cinematography. It's set in San Francisco, and um, the the filmmakers really do, they love San Francisco, and they show you yeah. why. Yeah, you well, the ar- architecture is great. Yeah. Lou? Yeah, there's something that you, uh, you brought up about, um, you, you know, the, the way it was shot. I, I, that opening, um, that opening with the uh, point of view of the of the sniper, uh, that looks so cool. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have more, like a more uh, eloquent way to put it, but that was, but that was really cool. <laughs> no, it was. In fact, my husband and I were watching it, and one of the things he said as we were watching that opening sequence, where we, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, it's just really a lot of shots of San Francisco, where we open up on a sniper who is who is uh, got a woman in a pool on a rooftop pool in his sights, and uh, but we spend a lot of time just kind of. Panning over the city and looking through his lens, and uh, my but and then we kind of see Clint Eastwood walking around too. He we're introduced. He he's getting out of a car. He's walking up some stairs. He's walking down the street. And, but the music is what my husband commented on. He yeah. was like, "This soundtrack is jamming." It yeah. is off the chain. Yes, as, as a seventies child, I was digging it. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I can I say one thing about about the um you know, the the opening scene, the sniper scene? Yeah. So you have this beautiful. You have this beautiful woman swimming in a pool, 
And I and I don't know if it's if it's you know because uh, of my age or what I've you know been watching like up, up in you know up until this point, but I when he shot her with a sniper rifle, I'm like, no, she's too beautiful to be shot with a sniper rifle. Like I expected, <laughs> like if, I expected for a character that beautiful, like there's got to be a weird sexual element to it. Like there needs to be like like a like a rape murder kind of thing. Like that made more sense to me if if that's the route that they took. Isn't that weird? I was I was upset that it wasn't a rape murder. That, 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 <laughs> I, I'm just I'm hearing what I just said, and that yeah, that, that's a little weird that I just came out with that. Well, it but is. But the other point that, as a filmmaker, that I caught was um, the fact that she was swimming in a pool on a rooftop. Right. So it was very clearly an attack on the upper class. That that the initial shot coming into the movie, you immediately know who this guy is. Um, because he didn't kill, you know, somebody of a lower status. You know, she's swimming in a fucking pool on the top of a building. Right. So clearly she has some money. Right. Yeah. But, I, but, 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 oh, sorry. Go, go, go ahead, ahead, Lou. Yeah, please. Oh, no, I was going to say, I, I think that that's a really, um, you know, uh, interesting detail. But then the uh, Scorpio goes off and it just starts, I basically, there isn't anyone he won't kill, you know, which is, uh, uh, it, it, took a, it took a while for, it took a while for me to understand like his, his modus operandi. You yeah. know, like, what, what is this guy after? And, you know? and starting there, Lou, just to get this out of the way, let me tell the audience this, because usually in this podcast, I, we, we go kind of scene to scene and in chronological oh, order. Cool. But oh, awesome. No, but this movie, is, it doesn't have a lot of exposition in it. And so the plot is basically there's a serial killer and Clint Eastwood needs to capture him. And that's what he does throughout the movie. And so every other scene is just, you know, the the progress of Eastwood finding this. And what we do find out um, shortly after the sniper scene is that, yeah, this sniper, Scorpio, he doesn't really have one target. He's targeting everybody. And there is a scene in there where Eastwood... Dirty Harry is introduced to his new partner, Gonzalez. A, a Chico. Chico. Chico Gonzalez. If, it, as if you couldn't get a you couldn't get a more Mexican name a, than Chico Gonzalez. A spit. <laughs> yeah, that whole spick, right. <laughs> there was this whole <laughs> scene in there which I was like, ooh, red flag, inappropriate. Um, but there's a whole scene in there where he's taking Chico, his young Mexican colleague, he, he's meeting him and they're talking to a fellow police officer and and they're like, oh, uh, Chico's basically saying, you have a problem with me because I'm a Mexican. And the other cop says, well, no, Harry hates everybody, you know, spicks, niggers, Jews, honkies. He goes down the whole list of racial slurs, which, of course, I was like, that would never happen now. That could never happen. But um, it's interesting to parallel that with Scorpio, because when we see Scorpio's letter to the mayor's office, he's basically saying the same thing. He hates everyone. Right. There's no like, this is the upper class or this is like, I want to kill all black people or he just like Dirty Harry. He is an equal opportunity hater. Right. Yeah. And and he ends that. That, that first ransom note, he said, it will be my my it will be my next pleasure to kill a Catholic priest or a nigger. And and, you know, what what was jarring for me is like, um, you know, because it was like from like the 70s, I was thinking like uh, they would probably be like, oh, no, no, please don't kill the Catholic priest. Like, I feel like I didn't, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what race relations were like in San Francisco in the 70s, you know. 
Well, because I, I mean, I imagine being like, whew, okay, we, well, if he goes the other route, we got one more day to catch him. So uh, I don't know I don't know if that was jarring for you guys. But. You know, what's funny is, is how they dealt with, with race relations in the, in the 70s in a variety of different movies, not just Dirty Harry. Because when you said that, it made me think about Blazing Saddles, which attacked race in such a comical way. Um, but you, when you have the, uh, the guy from the town saying, okay, we'll, we'll take the Chinese and the niggers, but we won't accept the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. There was... so I, I, I think the way they dealt with it in the 70s was to say, okay, well, everybody's going to be offended. And I, I tell you this, in this era of PC, where everything is so politically correct, where you're so so afraid to open your mouth and say anything about anybody uh, out of fear of offending people, it makes sense to go ahead and say, okay, well, I, you know, fuck everybody. I'm yeah. just, just going to talk about everybody then. You know, I kind of, I said that to my husband, actually, after we watched it, I said, there was a part of me watching that, you know, my 2017 sensibilities are like, ooh, you know, this makes me cringe a little bit. But there's a part of me watching that that misses that gritty realism because that stuff still happens. People still talk like that in their little groups. That um, I can remember when the whole thing with Trump and the grabbing pussies thing came out. And one of the first things my husband said to me, who is in sales, who is a minority himself, who's respectful of women, but is often at conferences and stuff like that. He, he was like, yeah, that's how business guys talk. You know, he wasn't even kind of taken aback by that, that there are pockets in this country where people still speak like that and still hold those attitudes. And instead of kind of whitewashing it, for lack of a better term, or tamping it down, as a viewer, there was something, a gritty kind of realism about it that helped me understand the characters better that I think we would miss in 2017. Yeah. It, it, made, you know, it made me think about... Um, uh, you know, the fact the movie happens in, in San Francisco made me think about another movie from the uh, a movie from the 80s, uh, 48 Hours. And it's mm -hmm. and, and it seems like, oh, wow, like Nick Nolte. I love Nick Nolte and, and Eddie Murphy in that. But it's like Nick Nolte is kind of a knockoff, uh, like Dirty Harry in a way, you know, like a That's foul exactly guy. Right. Yep. And yeah. Uh, yeah. and and that their and their relationship in there, like um, him and Reggie Hammond, it's all about putting Reggie down and saying, you know, just like every you know, racial epithet you can come up with. Um, and, I, and of course, at the end of that, like, you know, they, they, they make friends, you know, they become friends and all that. But uh, it was interesting seeing that kind of like where it, you know, where it started, you know. Yeah. Now, Harry. what's funny is to me, the, the use of the, of the word uh, or uh, like nigger, that, that wasn't as offensive to me as to, way, to the way they portrayed black people in Dirty Harry. Like oh, the, 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 uh, the, the bank guy, rob. the bank rob. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dude, if, if somebody actually wrote the lyric, I got to know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's let, let's talk about this scene. Let's break this scene down for the viewer because this, yeah, yeah. this is actually an incredible scene. So I did want to say before we leave the the subject of the N-word and how it's used, in that scene where, where Dirty Harry is called into the mayor's office to discuss this case, and the mayor reads the letter from Scorpio, I thought it was interesting that the mayor refused to say the word nigger. To say the word. Yep. He wouldn't say the word. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, that's a little bit progressive for 1971. But um, anyway, so... Later on, a little bit later on, we see Dirty Harry walking down the streets. Again, more loving shots of San Francisco. We don't see, like nowadays, that shot would be 
Clint Eastwood saying, I'm leaving, and then the next shot would be him in a diner. But in, in Dirty Harry, we see him walking to the diner. I mean, we see exactly how long it takes to walk to a diner. <laughs> we just, they right. leave nothing to the imagination. But he, <clears throat> he heads to this diner, which I noticed was right next to an adult bookstore. Uh, I don't know why. But... Everything, everything in San Francisco at the time was next to an adult bookstore <laughs> or a bathhouse, basically. That, that's all I know about San Francisco. Yeah, that's what the movie made it seem like. And I was like, I wonder how this business relationship works. Like, guys go over and get their rocks off at the bookstore, and then they're like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to go next door and have a hot dog. Right, right. But so he's Well, a... after you play with your hot dog, I guess you want to eat a hot <laughs> eat a dog. dog. I don't know. Well, it was San Francisco. Right. In a, lot, a lot of guys eating hot dogs. Which was kind of addressed in the film. <laughs> in ways I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised. Anyway, so he eats this hot he's eating this hot dog at, at the counter and he's having a little banter with the with the chef and he notices that there's a suspicious vehicle at the bank across the street. Turns out there's a bank robbery to which Dirty Harry casually strides out with his, what right. does he have, a Magnum 357 or something? Huge-ass gun, um, which he just draws in the middle of a crowd before he even knows what's going on. But, uh, and, it, like, that, to me, that screamed more LAPD than SFPD. But he foils this bank robbery. These black guys are robbing this bank. They have a big shootout. And he ends up taking one down in the doorway of the bank, and he goes over to him, and this is where we first hear this line. David, you see this movie, so you must know the line. Can you? Can you? Uh, which one? Are you talking about Dirty it? Harry's line, or are you talking dirty, about the black guy's line? Dirty, dirty Harry. Harry's line, where we, the famous, iconic. This is the first incantation of that. Oh, are you, are you talking about? Uh, I know what you're thinking. Yes. Did he fire five shots or six? Yes. I got to admit, all the excitement, I forgot myself. But seeing that this is a 44 Magnum, one of the most powerful handguns in the world, it can blow your head clean off. You got to ask yourself, do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth, in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? <laughs> That's it. And, and I, was, you know, and I, I wow. was waiting for the answer to be, for, you know, for the guy to be like, lucky? I'm a black man in America. What the fuck are you talking about? In 1970. Yeah. He's like, like, I got draw it down on me. This doesn't look good. And I'm shot. He was shot. (laughs) He is decidedly unlucky. Um, And then, of course, the black guy, uh, again, another lingering scene where we just see, you know, Clint looking at the guy and the guy looking at Clint. It just seems to go on forever. And then Clint, you know, starts to casually walk away. And the black man, instead of letting the man walk away with the gun and just wait for the police to come and rescue him, he says, Dave. I got to know. Hey. I got to know. (laughs) And at first I was like, what does he got to know? What is the he got thing to he know whether or not he had five bullets or six. I, I didn't realize that until Clint went and pulled the trigger on him. I was like, damn. 
Yeah, and then yeah, then Dirty Harry shows that he's a complete psychopath <laughs> and pulls the trigger. And of course, uh, there was, wasn't one left in the chamber. It was just a, a dry shot, and and the guy lived. But that was the moment where I was like, okay, I think I start to I'm starting to get Dirty Harry. Well, the yeah. other thing is, and remind me, I don't remember him ever announcing himself as a police officer. No. No, just a, just a dude say, in a blazer. Came out the bank. Yeah, he just pulls out the gun and just starts blasting. So he's, he's tall dude red. in a blazer. Yeah. And yeah. the one thing I did think, uh, while in the middle of the scene, because he comes out, he's eating a hot dog when he comes out to do the bank robbery scene, and he's chewing this hot dog through this entire gun battle. And I just was thinking to myself, as someone who is a former actor or semi-retired actor, how many times did he have to shoot? This scene with a hot dog in his mouth—it just made me sick. There was a spit. There was a spit bucket. Spit bucket there. Ugh. I get another. Well, um, what, what, what I'm wondering about, you know, the, you know, the specifics of, like, uh, the bank robbery uh, being perpetrated by by black guys. Like, was it? Um, I know that the the Black Panthers had, you know, uh, uh, held up like a, like an armored car before. Did that happen after this? Did the Black Panthers like see this movie and they're like? I got an idea. This is what this is what we got to do next. Because I never really heard of like like black you know men throughout history robbing banks. I didn't know that was a thing. Well, if 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 they were inspired by this scene in this movie, then they evidently didn't pay attention to the part where the black guys got killed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like it's like people who who like who love Scarface. Like they didn't like see the whole movie. <laughs> they didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's yeah. That seems like it would be poor planning. On their part. But I don't know. That's an interesting question, Lou. I, I really don't know the timeline of where, because the Black Panthers were, the crux of their movement would have been late 60s to early 70s. Um, and this movie certainly has inspired a lot of pop culture um, incidences, which we'll get into later on. So that is an interesting question. If, if any listener wants to let us know, look that up, uh, contact us on the uh, Twitter page at HiPods, H-I-Pods, or find us on uh, Facebook at How Inappropriate. Let us know. What is that? All right. Um, and yeah, there was, I, I, as Dave knows, I like to play Spot the Black Person in every movie. And um, it was pretty diverse. I mean, San Francisco in 1971 was a pretty diverse city. So I, there weren't any like there wasn't a lack of black faces in the movie, but what they were doing was interesting. There was a black doctor that he yeah. was, he got shot in the leg. But to that, counterbalance that almost, yeah. Yeah, but you know what? That black doctor was an idiot because. <laughs> oh no 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 no! Uh, the first the first doctor that we meet is a black doctor. He attends to Dirty Harry. Yes. The second doctor is a is a like a bald white dude uh, towards the end. And I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm up on this just because I, I, I finished watching this like two hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but, but, yeah, but the first one was like, we go immediately from a bank robbery scene where Dirty Harry has killed uh, multiple uh, black suspects to him being treated by a black, uh, black doctor. And I was like, oh, that's some balance for you right there. Yeah, but- now what's interesting is to contrast uh, what we talked about with Weekend at Bernie's, I didn't feel <laughs> like with Dirty Harry that that the producers kind of went, okay, we ha- we need to insert some blackness here. Yeah, in true. Dirty Harry, it just it felt like okay, this is a diverse city. I know, agree. Uh, and, and you know what yeah. I'm saying? It, yeah. it didn't yeah, feel yeah. that same way. I agree. And, but one thing that bothered me about the doctor, which I didn't 
kind of put together until later on the big the the not a big reveal but there's a reveal at the end we know that something's happened with harry and his wife we assume maybe she's left him because he's a giant prick but um later on we come to find out that she's actually died and um but in this first scene before the viewer has been let in on that secret the doctor the the dumb black doctor is treating Harry and he's like, well, you know, when you get home, you're going to have to have your wife attend to you. And then he looks to him and he's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, dude, you Uh, knew his wife was dead. Like, what kind of an asshole forgets that a man's wife is dead? He was like, oh, I did that. I did that autopsy. (laughs) Ooh, just just slipped my mind. Well, I'll give you this. I didn't necessarily feel like um, uh, the, the movie purposely put black people in certain places, but I'll say this. They didn't cast the best actors. No, a, a lot of the black folks in Dirty Harry uh, uh, came off kind of like they worked over in craft services and they were like, uh, you want a job? OK, here's your job. Because <laughs> the acting was terrible. You might be you might you might even be right in a way, David. That's a good question, too, that could be answered. Did they do that purposefully? Because sometimes directors will use locals, you know, just mm. just for authenticity. Or could it be that the black the pool of black actors in 1971 for Hollywood productions wasn't that large, and so. Although, can you can you imagine hearing Sidney Poitier? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't do a Poitier, a Poitier, but like just him saying "I got to know" would be. I, <laughs> I got to know. I don't know. I can't yeah. do or that. Harry Belafonte, you know. Like. <laughs> uh, no, I can't. Can't hear I it. Got to know. <laughs> I got what's my motivation here? I got to know. Is God's is God's the colloquial for I must be informed of what is happening with your weapon, sir? I know the mother and, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but the, the, the mother Go of the, the little boy that gets shot, oh my god, that her acting was so atrocious. Yeah. She literally was just somebody on the street. She had to. His name was Charlie Russell. I'm his mother. He was only 10 years old. What? (laughs) (laughs) This is the scene where Scorpio's killed another person, a Negro this time. Um, Carsey picked a little boy because Scorpio's a real jerk, you guys. Yeah, I didn't see that coming because. uh, before, uh, before, and when he when he makes a warning about who he's going to kill next, we spend like probably like a good five minutes of a scene of him on a rooftop, uh, scouting out the gayest black man <laughs> in a poncho, who's uh, you know um, he's with another man and he's licking an ice cream an ice yes. cream cone. It's like you you just you know, and it's like oh no, is he going to kill him? Yeah, no. Um, but then that gets foiled. Um, I'm so glad you brought that up, Lou, because I have that it's in my Hollywood's notes. Hollywood's gayest moment. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, this is what I have in my notes. I said, is this as gay as they were allowed to get in 1971? Because at first I see these guys pop out. I'm not expecting to see that in a movie from that era. And mm-hmm. these guys pop out and they're clearly like just the stereotypical like flouncy and bouncy and yes, licking suggestively on ice cream coats. Cones. This what what could only be perceived as a gay couple, and they walk through the street. And yes, Lou, it's like five minutes long. They're just walking through the park, and then they sit on a bench. And they kind of get close, but there's no hand holding, there's no kissing, there's no touching right. anything that we might see in 2017. So in that respect, I thought, well, this is a bit 
progressive, you know, in that respect. But then on the other hand, I could see nowadays in 2017, a lot of gay rights groups being like, this is so offensive. But I, I was just really surprised to see that. Yeah, and, and, and at that point, too, the um, uh, Scorpio um, it has him, like, uh, in his sights, and then he loses him. He loses the couple for a moment behind some trees or in a park, and he gets so upset about it. Like, oh, like, like basically in his inner monologue is like, well, where are they? Well, what's going on? I, I don't know what's, getting, what's happening. And it's like, wow, he really wanted to kill this gay man. He really, he really wanted to take him out. <laughs> by and, the way, and, by know, the way, Lou, that was a flawless Scorpio impression. Oh, oh, thank you, thank yeah, you. Really I'm gonna, good. I'm gonna add that to my my list of Although I did, I did want to see just how flamboyant that death scene would have been. So like, like <laughs> just like he gets shot and he just starts voguing and shit <laughs> before he eventually makes it. <laughs> that would have been great. That would have been great. I want guys. I want to talk about the scene where Harry first meets his new partner because we we find out from the beginning that Harry is surly. He's a surly yeah. cop. We know this because he wears sunglasses and because he doesn't talk much. Us. Yeah, and he he is very stern and he's no nonsense and people don't like him. So we know that he's a very surly cop and of course surly cops always need a new partner in movies um, because they don't want them. So the uh, sergeant pairs him with Chico Gonzalez, the world's most stereotypical Mexican, uh, Mexican name. And he immediately has a problem with Chico and not so much because he's Mexican, but because he's a college boy. And he, he has this loathing for the fact that he's educated and kind of a know-it-all. Um, and the one thing that I noticed about that scene, there was this sense of condescension towards him. Like, he called him boy at one point. And I wasn't sure if that was, like, I, maybe that was more related to the fact that he was college. But what strikes me about this is that Gonzalez, the Gonzalez character, is uh, just out of college, and he looks like he's 40 years old. And every like yeah, everyone in 19... Like 19 Edward, <laughs> Edward James almost. Like, is that Edward James almost? <laughs> it's like in the 1970s, everybody looked like my parents. Yeah. It's from like cigarettes and just steak. I guess that, that's all the diet was or something. <laughs> I mean, David, did you... Did you think of what do you think of that i think the guy looked old and i'm like gosh he doesn't seem like a, a, a kind of a green rookie right out of college you know what's funny is until you brought that up just now I, I and like i said i watched this every other year and i had never tripped off of that until you said that you damn right yeah it, he looked like he's 47 yeah he looks like he has four <laughs> kids and a mortgage <laughs> he's like it's it it, it, it's his first day, but it's also his last day because he's too old and he needs to retire. <laughs> he gets to be a cop for like an afternoon. That's how old he is. Like, yeah. like, like he wanted to scratch that off his bucket list. Okay, yeah. I want to be a right, cop. Right. Okay, one yeah. day, that's good. I'm good. Yeah, I just noticed that. And then the other thing I noticed is that when Eastwood was, you know, quizzing him about his college credentials and he said he went to wherever, San Francisco U or wherever, he's like, oh, you play ball? Like, that was his assumption. Like, we couldn't be there in a medical scholarship or something. He's like, oh, you play ball? Now, now here's what's funny. Now, it's funny that you brought that up because one of the things that I thought about when I heard that line was, was that character originally supposed to be a black guy? 
Oh, yeah. Because how, how many Mexican basketball players? I mean, that's not even something that you sit and go, hmm, he's Mexican, he probably plays ball. Who, th- who thinks that? I, and that's yeah. another cultural question that I would ask, because even in 1971, San Francisco still had a, a relatively high Hispanic population for that time. So maybe Hispanics were playing ball in San, in San Francisco. I don't know. But yeah, that's like Baseball? the question, or I thought he meant football, but that's my own personal bias, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was base. Baseball makes more sense. That, that's more... Uh, yeah, south of the border. Because there was no, like, he had no athletic physique no. at all. <laughs> either. You know, to, to even be like, you know, to even think that a guy played a sport. Yeah, I found just... that sometimes in, in filmmaking, that sometimes you'll write a script and for this reason or that reason, you end up casting somebody uh, against type. Mm-hmm. And you don't revise the script mm-hmm. to now go with the person that you cast. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that does not sound like a line that just goes with that character. One, like you said, he's Mexican. Two, he's 47. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's 40. He's a post-college age going on 47, no doubt. Yeah, and I mean, we live in the picturesque suburbs of Orange County, and there aren't a lot of black people here. And my husband is in sales. You know, he's a businessman. He's built like a football player. He used to play football in college, but... The only black people around here are ex-athletes, ex-professional athletes, and then my husband. And uh, everywhere he goes, there's always somebody asking him what team he played for. It's like there's no other reason for him to be here in the suburb except that he must be a rich football player, which I wish he was, but he's not. He's just a banker. (laughs) Tell him he needs to respond and say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't play sports. I sell drugs. <laughs> that was going to be my next question, sir. <laughs> that was the God, I've been looking for so long for someone who deals crack around here. You just can't find it in Orange County. So oh, good. This whole, whole Foods doesn't sell crack at all. The yeah. meth just isn't what it used to be. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny because um, Warren G actually lives in this suburb. And uh, he oh, was, wow. yeah, he was one of the first black people I saw when we moved here. I, I came home from the store. I was like, I saw a black person. I think it was Warren G. And my husband was like, you saw yeah. Warren G? Yeah, he lives here. Oh, wow. Yeah. What, uh, what, what, what store is he bagging groceries at? <laughs> Albertsons. Oh, okay. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't made a hit since the 90s. I guess he's, this place is not cheap. He's doing quite well for himself, I think. It seems as he, though he's done responsible things with his money he just he has a family his kids play football you know they just just regular suburbanites it's kind of funny yeah anyways off uh uh, congratulations to warren g by the way um off yeah this just turned into a where are they now (laughs) there's a lot of those here it's nothing but a g thing baby (laughs) there's a lot of those people here Uh, my husband's always meeting ex football players and basketball players but i don't know any athletes so i don't know that i'm talking to impressive people all right so um we meet gonzalez and of course he is harry's uh reluctant partner and then we uh, see a, a montage, if you if you could call it that, of Harry and Gonzalez roaming the streets of the city looking for the killer. This is where I kind of got lost because I was like, how do they know where 
to be looking for this guy. They're just kind of driving around yeah. at night. It's like an excuse just to show more of the city. Well, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it was so much an excuse to show the city as much as it was an excuse to give backstory to who Harry is and what kind of person Harry is. It, it, was, it was all character development. And I mean, it went on for like, now that's the one stretch in the movie that I can go ahead and give you and say, okay, that just kind of went on. Uh, between the back alley scene uh, where they were chasing the guy who they thought had a, the suitcase, they thought it was the, uh, they thought it was Scorpio because he had a suitcase and it turned out right. to be something completely different. It turned out to be a uh, guy going to see his horny girlfriend. Uh, 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 hot Mary, yeah. hot Mary, which is funny because she's not hot. <laughs> well, well, she sat there and watched the goings on out in the alley with the cops, you know, with, with brawless and titties flying. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, if you're going to stand in the window like that, you hot. You hot mayor. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> and I love how every, that, that's how everybody knows it. Um, uh, knows her as hot Mary. And uh, for, for uh, if you want to, like, paint the uh, the scene, like, so, so they follow... Um, they follow this suitcase, right? They're looking for a guy with a big brown suitcase, and they follow this dude. And um, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Dirty Harry, ends up uh, having to stand on a garbage pail to look into the front window. And then he's soon uh, mistaken for a peeping Tom by four dudes who I guess are like Hot Mary's protectors, and they beat the <laughs> shit out of him. Uh, who, who look like uh, out of work fishermen. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're like he was—he was, was peeping. He just got off a trolley somewhere. <laughs> he was right. peeping in on Hot Mary and her boyfriend, and uh, and then he, yeah, got his ass beat, which I didn't expect to see for a Dirty Harry movie. Because this is—I don't know if I said this at the top, but I had never seen this movie. My Dirty Harry references are all from the '80s because he did a couple in the '80s, and mm. and so. That those were significantly more action oriented and like badass oriented. So I was really surprised to see Clint Eastwood getting the shit beat out of him in the scene. Wait a minute, I'm making the same face at you I know. that I made at Lou when Lou said he'd never seen a Star Wars. No, movie. don't You've compare never us, David. Seen don't Dirty com- Harry before. Don't compare <laughs> us, David. Don't do that. Don't do that. Oh it's not the oh same God. thing. Oh, <laughs> it's not the Dirty same Harry thing. Dirty Harry is iconic. Sure, but it's not the same as saying I've never seen Star Wars, which every opportunity is afforded to every single human being on the face of the earth to see Star Wars. And you're a terrible person if you've gotten to your 30s and never seen Star Wars. Whereas Dirty Harry is like it's possible that you could not have seen it, but know the iconic references. And that's how I was. Don't compare me to Lou, Dave. You know, you know, you know what I was, you know what I was more surprised at, like, um, um, you know, him getting his ass kicked. Um, I was more surprised, like, Clint Eastwood is so stiff in this movie. I was amazed that he could sit down. I, I didn't expect. <laughs> that's what, that's what blew my mind. I'm like, no way. How do you do that? How does granite sit down? It's crazy. Well, uh, on a whole lot of levels, what Clint Eastwood did was take the character that he did in the Spaghetti Westerns and just brought him to the streets of San Francisco. It's the same guy. Yeah, and in fact, it's interesting Mm. you say that, Dave, because um, a lot of the reviews, which when we get towards the end, I'll I'll read a couple, but that was the one thing that each review said. It's like, this is not a character. This is Clint Eastwood. You know, this is what he does, and he does it well. Um, There was one thing I I did want to mention that Clint Eastwood 
you talked about how stiff he was, and he wasn't the first to get offered this role. This role was actually... Um, there was originally... someone stiffer? <laughs> it was originally offered <laughs> to Frank Sinatra. To who? Oh, yeah? Yeah, Frank Sinatra was uh, originally offered this role. Clint Eastwood uh, was the fourth choice for this role. So Frank, wow. yes, Frank Sinatra was offered. He turned it down because he had broken his wrist and he couldn't hold the gun, which is huge, correctly. And he also felt that the film was too dark and his father had just died. So he felt uncomfortable. So he turned it down. The next person was John Wayne. This, per, this part was offered to John mm. Wayne. He didn't, he refused it because he was mad that they offered it to Sinatra first. So he didn't. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, everybody remembers that amazing rivalry between John <laughs> Wayne and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> when will it ever let up? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the next I want Sammy Davis Jr. I want <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. I, I, need, I need Sammy to say that line. I got to know. Yes. I got to. Oh, it's a whole rat pack got together. Oh, that would oh, be a whole different movie. Characters. That would be a whole different movie. Dean, Ma- Dean Martin plays the Scorpio. He's just drunk and just shooting in the fucking, <laughs> like all over the place. <laughs> Can't hit the mark. Bing Crosby is is the mayor. Bing Crosby's the mayor. <laughs> yeah. Who was the third person that turned it down? Burt Lancaster. And some wow. people, he said he didn't like, this is what my research says. Now, I don't know how true this is, but my research says that he turned it down because he didn't like the film's, quote, right-wing morality. Wow. I didn't even look at it like that, but I guess we, we'll talk about the, the morality aspect of this film uh, moving forward. But he, right. that was the, the quote. He didn't like the film's, quote, right-wing morality. <laughs> and then some people say, although it's never been confirmed, that it was also offered to Kirk Douglas. So potentially, Clint Eastwood is like the fifth pick for this role, and it's one of his most iconic roles. So he's like, he's like the youngest one that was picked. And he basically. was 41 at the time. He was 41 at the time. He wow. was 41 when he made this movie. This, uh, this, this so much reminds me of, a to- of another movie um, in the sense that it would have been – if, if you cast Burt Lancaster or Kirk Douglas or any of the other people that you mentioned, this is a totally different yeah. movie. Mm. Yep. And it reminds me very much so of Beverly Hills Cop, which was originally supposed to go to Sylvester Stallone. That's oh right. And he turned it down. And, and that's that why movie he made... becomes completely different if he does it versus Eddie Murphy. That's oh why God, Sylvester yeah. Stallone went on to make Stop My Mom Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and Tango and Cash. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I know this. I know this. He went on to make those two movies because he saw how successful Beverly Hills Cop was. And he was not convinced that an action star going the way of comedy star was good business. And then he realized, oh, shit, this, yeah, I really missed out on a big opportunity. So he could have been Axel Foley. Ladies ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Sylvester Stallone is in the studio right now. He's walked in. Uh, welcome, Sylvester Stallone. Welcome, Sly. Uh, I just wanted to say, I think Stop or oh, My Mama Shoot still holds up. I think it's a good movie. <laughs> do you? Do you? Have- I, wanted, I wanted to be. I wanted to be. You know, Eddie Murphy took all my roles. He took all the best roles. Well, uh, black guys are taking all the good jobs. Cut me, Nick. Cut me. 
<laughs> so yeah, there, there, I mean, you're right, David. That this would have been. I mean, I'm trying to picture it with Frank Sinatra. I mean, that blows That's my mind. Amazing. I I had no idea. This it it, it doesn't even make sense when you say it. Like yeah. That. Frank no. Sinatra is Dirty Harry. Yeah. No, that doesn't. That, no, you don't have a sequel. No, you don't there, have five there, sequels there's, there's or no, whatever. There's no sequel to this movie if Frank Sinatra does it. it it's a it's a one hit. No, it's not even a hit, dude. It dies. And this movie was a hit. This movie was a bona fide hit. This movie cost four million dollars to make in 1971, which I can only imagine half of that is the location shoots. Um, and it made 28 million dollars at the domestic box office. So wow. this movie was a huge hit. Well, you got to imagine coming out of the turmoil of the 60s, and it's interesting that you said Burt Lancaster said it was so right wing, because it, and you know, we're not going to have a political conversation, but it, it you know, it, if you look in terms of who our current president elect is, um, it, it, coming out of the turmoil of the 60s, there were a whole lot of people that felt like there needs to be more law and order, which is yeah. why you can have a dirty hair. You can have that scene where the bank robbers are coming out. He doesn't even announce himself as a cop. Yeah. Right. You know, let, let me just kill everybody on the scene. And as an audience, you sit and go, good, good, good. Thank God. Stop crime. We need the crime stopped. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Dave. And Lou, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, too, because that is one thing. Again, I we don't like to get too political on this podcast, but we can't ignore the, the current reality of politics in this country. And um, that was one thing I thought. I thought, gosh, this has so many parallels to what we're seeing today. Yep. And some of my research, uh, you know, this is the time when serial killers were kind of becoming prevalent in the public eye. The Zodiac Killer uh, has ties to this movie. And this movie was written as kind of a fantasy about if the cops had all of the shackles taken off of them and we could stop with all of this PC, your rights, my rights kind of stuff and just kill bad guys, what would that look like? And that's kind of where we're at in this country now, this idea of we've been, you know, there's a whole segment of this country that has felt that their their needs haven't been heard and that we we're so we're drowning in this idea of your right and my right and being offended and then what's happened is justice has been laid aside. I don't know. What do you think about that, Lou? Um well yeah well <clears throat> well it it's sort of like uh like there's a scene in the movie where um there's a a guy who's threatening to jump off of a off of a building and kill himself. And who do they send in to sweet talk this guy down but Dirty Harry? And and how does Dirty Harry handle it? <laughs> well, he punch, he punches the motherfucker. Like he, he knocks the dude out. It's like that punch is like, get over here, you pussy. Like you know, knocks him down and like, you know, and then and then they bring him down and, and he saves the guy's life. And it's sort of like just deal just uh like let's just get rid of all nuance and just deal with you know yes. deal with stuff as much as much force and and uh and you know and go from there and it's funny the you know the the character that they that they made with Scorp uh, with Scorpio uh is so all over the place you know like um the people that he kill it's almost like a grab bag of stuff uh that that he wants to perpetrate like okay um He's got, uh, he's a murderer. Um, turns out he also raped someone. He's, uh, I guess, using the word, what, extortion or something like that? Mm -hmm. uh, robbery, kidnapping, you name it. Like, this guy is like a quintessential, um, you know, killer. 
and you know of you know uh, any everything that you hate like that's yeah. what this guy is and he's like he's a wimp he's kind of lame and stuff like that and he's like this perfect foil to like you see that's what we hate that's the guy that we hate we need to just yeah. you know uh, do what we can to get rid of him um but you know even even with that like uh what you describe as burt lancaster's um you know being upset that it's like this like right thing you know kind of like a more uh right wing take on uh on the uh on the situation um and i know we're not we're not there yet in the movie but uh feel the, free like, to district jump right att- ahead yeah, yeah. Yeah, like the, like, like the district attorney, like, um, you know, chewing out Dirty Harry over the way that he went about this investigation. It's like, even with all of, you know, him, you know, going after the guy without a warrant and this and this, I, I highly doubt that, that that case wouldn't have come to trial. Like, even yeah, with all that. Yeah. Yeah, he gave Harry like, the even, big lecture about constitutional rights and Miranda rights. and Yeah. 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 And, and now think, we can't of, do anything. We have to just let him go. Nothing, nothing at all. And it's like, yeah, sure, a lawyer can, you know, we could argue that, uh, you know, there was a woman dying, you know, uh, and and all that. But uh, we're not going to spend half a million dollars, you know, to go, you know, to to go through with it. Um, So it's sort of like it's very like cartoonish, the the lengths that that they would go to kind of have like this, you know, this this. moralizing it's simplified and uh we're gonna i want to talk about scorpio more in a minute um because i think that's a character worthy of breaking down but um one thing i did want to add to this section of our conversation is that this idea of getting we we've seen uh and i'm sure dave has a lot of input as a filmmaker himself on this but we've seen movies move towards like um a conflicted hero you know, uh, the hero's kind of good, he's kind of bad, but he has a lot of feelings and emotions, and he's not, he's complicated, and like Nolan's Batman or whatever. And people are kind of tiring of, of that, and maybe this is where Dirty Harry fits um, in his era as well. Like, people were kind of tired of, of the nuances, and I see films moving back to the Dirty Harry model, a la Taken and John Wick. Where here's a good guy and here's a bad guy and the good guy kills the bad guys and that's it. There's not much else in between. So I think it's interesting that I see a shift in filmmaking in that respect. No, Maybe that's, not. That's interesting. Uh, again, you are enlightening me to some things. And uh, again, I watch this movie all the time. There's things that I didn't catch. But comparing it to John Wick, I'm like, hmm, you know what? I, I, I think she's on to something. Because certainly I think. <sighs> I don't want to say as a country, as you know, as as viewers, I think we certainly are a little uh, burned out on the complexity mm-hmm. of situations, and you really do just want somebody who's clearly defined. Um, here you've got the bad guy in Dirty Harry. Here you've got the bureaucracy uh, mm-hmm. attached to the district attorney and his boss, and even his partner on a lot of levels. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dirty Harry just wants the bad guys to stop being bad. That really is his whole motivation the entire movie. Yeah. I, I want the bad guys to stop being bad, and I don't want all of the, the political correctness attached to it to stop me from doing my job. And his wife is dead, like John Wick's wife. So you have something that makes them a little bit human, but not too much. Like, they've got no one to be good for, so they can... He doesn't need to be a person as much as he needs to be a force. Exactly. I need somebody to stop this thing from happening, and that's Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry is not... I don't give a shit about your feelings. I don't give a fuck about the law. 
<laughs> yeah. You are doing wrong, and you need to stop doing wrong, and I'm the guy to get it done. Do we, do we ever find out, um, like in the, um, uh, in the future, um, in the rest of the series, do we ever find out how his wife died? Because it seems like every partner he has <laughs> gets shot. And it's like, hey, you know, maybe actually Dirty Harry's the one who's at fault. No, here. he has a monologue. Like everyone... He has a monologue. Oh, yeah? must have missed that. Yeah, he has a monologue there at the end. Oh, maybe it did. When he's uh, talking to Gonzalez and Gonzalez's wife is there. One of the few women in the movie oh. that has more than oh, one yeah, line. Yeah, she pops up. Yeah, right. she pops up. Like, there are no women in this movie. The only women that are in this movie are naked or secretaries. And all they say is, oh, yes, he's expecting you. Mr. Callahan, and that's it in this, uh, but there's a brief moment there where he's talking to Gonzalez's wife after Gonzalez has said, I can't, look, after one injury, Gonzalez is like, I can't be a cop anymore, I can't do it. Um, and she, and he's... I, I, can't, I can't play ball anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> My baseball career is over. <laughs> uh, yeah, but he says my wife died in a, in a car accident. Drunk driver. Oh, okay. Drunk driver. She was in oh wow! Yeah, I'm, I got I'm, that no, I'm just ima- imagining like, like it's not even like a cr- like not even a uh, you know uh, you know a criminal or something like that, but no. a, a drunk driver. So so also on top of this, you know, this whole like you know moralizing, it's also don't drive drunk, right? Don't do all these <laughs> other crimes. Don't drive drunk. Well, he seemed to rationalize it as a sh- like shit happens basically, which is like I was getting ready to say yeah, yeah. that, that like that the, the things that happen are very random. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, again, I guess you put those things in to give your character a heart without having to actually give your character a heart, you know, without having to really waste a lot of di- dialogue or plot on it. So, yeah. But anyway, let's talk about Scorpio, you guys. Um, yeah. Scorpio played by Andy Robinson. Um, and apparently now he's a director. Um, but he. Oh, wow. Yeah, he plays the. I wouldn't know how to describe him. I would describe him as a as a, a sad remnant of the hippie generation, and so he kind of embodies this idea of maybe what middle class conservative America hated about hippies, which is he's whiny. Everything's about what what is owed to him, what he has the right to do. Uh, he's angry. He's angry enough to take a person's life. But he's not kind of man enough to, you know, be open or forthright about it or even confront the people personally. He's a sniper. Like, he doesn't. But it's an interesting character. A lot of reviews online that I read about this movie, people loved the character of Scorpio. They they, Yeah, they think it's really interesting. After 30 some odd years, uh, the the actor's performance still holds up. He is one of the craziest things ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the scene where there is a scene where uh, Harry and Gonzalez track him down to um, the football stadium. He's a groundskeeper. Now, this was back in the day, I guess, when being a groundskeeper in a major metropolitan area for a professional sports team was a shit job. And you had to live in the stadium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, now <laughs> you'd have to kill somebody to get that job now. But uh, apparently he lived in there and... Um, but then they, they end up chasing him, which is kind of a really cool shot, chasing him across the field yeah. at night. You know, the lights get flipped on, and, and uh, it's just Harry chasing this guy across the football field, and he shoots him, and then he shoots the guy, and he 
creep, you know, walks up to him and the guy's on the ground, instead of being, you know, defiant or trying to defend himself, he just starts whining. And I did not well, expect he, that. And, and he says, he says, I have rights. I have rights. <laughs> And it's amazing that that happens on the football field, because you can imagine, like, you know, like, red-blooded Americans watching, like, yeah, now this motherfucker got sacked. We sacked him, you know, like, uh, or, uh, you know, he's having on on the field. But then, obviously, you know, what comes after that is like, no, you didn't get him yet. You didn't get the guy. Well, uh, what's funny to me is, you know, the, the movie opens with him killing a rich woman. Then he kills a black kid. Then he tries to kill a Catholic. You know, but but Thank then God he, he lays there the on the, the field and cries about his rights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have rights. He's like, no, you can't do this. I have Those folks didn't have rights, but me, I've got rights. It, it's <laughs> it's hilarious because again, to make a, a polit- to draw a political comparison, to doing all this as as I say, we don't talk about politics, but I have been <laughs> in the center of. Five, um, when the Occupy movement was going on, I have been in the center of five different Occupy protests. And I and that is what I saw every single time. These people would be th- like destroy things. Like I was in a hotel once that they invaded. Like it was, this is right in the heat of it. And there was something going on in this hotel that somebody was there or something they didn't like. And this whole group of people came in. They started like trashing the hotel lobby. And like we hate the, I don't know, Koch brothers or somebody was, I don't remember. Somebody was there. And they're like, we hate um, everything. And they started like breaking things. And then when the cops came to drag them off, that's what they were screaming. You can't do this. This is our first amendment, right? And we have, it was, it was, it reminded me of that. Like the first time I ever saw that. And that was the first time I'd ever been in the middle of a protest. And it was shocking to me. I was like, well, these people know though, that they broke the law. I mean, right. (laughs) But they didn't know. They were more concerned with their, you know, personal rights. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting about the character of Scorpio. Um, yeah, he is very wimpy. And then uh, he he's he's man enough to take a person's life, but not man enough to confront somebody face to face. And also, you know, the, um, I think I'm, I've, I've grown so used to, um, you know, sort of like criminal masterminds in, in film mm-hmm. where I was amazed at just how stupid this guy was. Yeah. Like, you know, like he's he's, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know uh, a sniper and, and killing people like that. Um, I'm sure uh, he's in San Francisco and notices there's a lot of helicopters around. But yet he still decides I'm going to be a sniper by like during the daylight hours, yeah. you know, as opposed to, you know. But then there's a then there's a switch that that, that comes where uh, which I thought was a great plot device where um they, they, they're finally going to drop off the $200,000 uh, to him, and he uh, keeps sending Dirty Harry to a number of uh, phone, uh, phone uh, public books, telephones yeah. around, yeah, around, around town. And it's like, wow, well, that, that's actually like a really seems like, – now he seems like a smart guy, um, you know, like a master – like he's really masterminding this thing. And then he becomes a moron again. Um, so I, uh, I, 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 uh, I, I don't know if – if that was a really cool thing that, that they did, or maybe I'm just so used to, you know, either one or the other nowadays. Well, it's a couple things you gotta, you gotta think about. One, the, the first thing that's hilarious to me is that I'm holding this city ransom for $200,000. That's hilarious. Well, it was 100000 at first. It was only 100000 at <laughs> yeah. first. Isn't that amazing? 
<laughs> he, he, he bumped it up to 200000 Oh, yeah, yeah. shit. I'm going to pay Francisco, that. And San Francisco, where are we going to get that kind of money? Yeah. You know, like today, you just, <laughs> just stop on like some Silicon Valley dude. And yeah. like, hey, but can the I... other thing is, it, it, you got to keep in mind, we are in an internet age. We are uh, where we're constantly inundated with so much information. Uh, and, and, and accessible information that, you know, it's a lot easier for us to find out, you know, uh, how a certain thing works or, uh, uh, you know, to get a, the truth about something. But whereas back in the 70s, you, audiences weren't that smart. Mm-hmm. So it, your, your protagonist or, or your antagonist didn't have to be that smart. They, he just had to be the bad guy. Yeah. I did notice that, like... Um... It'd be interesting to know if this was kind of the first time where you see a guy being sent all over town. Like, that's kind of a movie trope right now uh, right. at this point. But this guy, this idea of, like, I'm going to give you different points to go to, and you, the hero, has to get to each point within a certain amount of time, and then you can get the next clue. And I did notice that, for my eye in 2017, that that sequence, it dragged. Like, there wasn't a lot of action. It was mostly Clint Eastwood running from payphone to payphone. And yet, we spent 15 minutes <laughs> on this scene you know i was like wow this is a lot but again it's just more shots of san francisco but what was yeah yeah go ahead oh i was i was gonna say also you know we get to see chico driving a car a lot so that i mean that was cool yeah we got to see exactly how long it takes to get from the football stadium to the marina yeah in real time in real time a lot of that is a lot of that is really a product of the MTV generation, the uh, music video generation, uh, where we're used to getting our edits and our cuts yeah. done, you know, so quickly. Right. Absolutely. Uh, that now sitting and watching a movie where there's a long take on a shot, Quentin Tarantino still does it. Yeah. Quentin, yeah. Quentin still does it. He does long takes on shots, which which I absolutely love. I, I mean, uh, for me, I miss a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, uh, uh, Chico, or, I'm sorry, Chico, I mean, Scorpio, he is, lets, they have to let him go on a technicality. Dirty Harry didn't follow the rules, and now this serial killer is on the loose. And then we see him um, meet, have a clandestine meeting with this black guy in the basement of an abandoned building somewhere. You're not sure exactly what's going to happen. And he gives him $200, and the guy's like, you want $200 worth? And he's like, yeah, you know, I do. And you think maybe it's drugs, maybe sex. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. And But then it turns out that, you know, he's paying the black guy to beat him up so that he can tell the press that the police have abused him. And I just thought to myself, in 1971, how do you find a black guy who does this for a living, just beats up white people for money? For their money. Well, it's a dream. It's a dream job. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, I was. I was getting ready to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you don't have to pay that much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not these days. But I was uh, like, uh, the, is there a personal the ad, like is, want ads that? <laughs> it's it's on back pages. Yeah. <laughs> but he does. This black uh, guy beats the crap out of him. The other thing I was going to say is, uh, going back to the football stadium, one of the, the classic, the iconic moments from, uh, from Dirty Harry is after he catches the guy at the football stadium, he shoots him in the leg. And then to get the information that he needs, he tortures him. Yeah. 
And as an audience, again, it was one of the things that they went on ahead and not only accepted, but like I said, it became a classic scene. They wanted that scene. Do whatever you have to do to stop the bad guy, even if it means torturing. That's right. And so uh, I, I do want to move on because Scorpio uh, is successful with his, you know, idea of eliciting sympathy from the public because supposedly Harry beat him up. Um, but eventually he goes back off the rails, Go right, Lou? Like, he's smart. Like, okay, he made the scenario, but then he's dumb because he steals a busload of kids, which is like yeah, and, the and one, yeah. one thing you don't want yeah. to take when you don't want people to come after you. And, and Dirty Harry says it, you know, uh, Dirty Harry says it, he's like, he's going to kill again because he likes it, because he likes doing that, which, which is kind of, uh, which, you know, the Scorpio character is just so weird to me. And I can't really, you know, put my, you know, put my, wrap my head around him because um, he does want, he does want money, but he also um, seems to really enjoy, you know, killing people too, you know, so it, it's not like I, 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 I don't know what he would be doing with two hundred thousand dollars in tens and twenties. Right. You know, like I don't know what it, what, what where he's gonna you know just blow all this money. Yeah, where is he he going off to? Well, the the scene where he steals that busload of children, I have to say, up until that scene, I didn't understand the Scorpio character. I wasn't that on board with the whole portrayal, but that scene in the bus was friggin' terrifying. Mm. Where he yeah. makes, you know, he puts the gun in the bus driver's gut and he's like, you better drive. And then he's like, come on, kids, let's sing. And then they sing one endless verse of Row, Row, Row Your Boat, which must have been torture to film. It just must have been. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, uh, I think, uh, Old MacDonald and Row, Row, Row Your Boat. And, and while it was, you know, while they were sitting, and he asked the, the one cute little girl um, to start. And that's the song, you know, one of those songs are the ones that she goes with. And I'm like, but weren't the Carpenters around then? Like, couldn't there be like a good song? You know, like, like what? You know, why do birds suddenly? I, it was just, I, 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 again, I get tripped up on just stupid stuff. <laughs> no, I, no, I agree. Although in hindsight, watching this, perhaps it's better they didn't, because then it, it doesn't yeah. add to the dating of the movie. But also, again, everything, the accessibility of everything was vastly different in 1971. Mm -hmm than it is now. You can listen to the same song over and over again right now whenever you want. But then a lot of people were limited to whenever it came on the radio. So perhaps there wasn't a... But either way, that song also would have been very annoying to hear repeated over and over again. And, and I'm sure the Carpenters didn't want to be associated with a film about a mass, you know, a serial killer and a busload of kids he's torturing or, you know... Uh, yeah. Uh, smacking around and there and there's this in this scene you know he's on the bus and and supposedly the bus is taking him to the airport or the airstrip where, where he's going to take off with his two hundred thousand dollars and go wherever and uh and eventually the kids think he's okay at first like a nice guy the, uh, a leader and then he snaps because they're uh, this little boy's asking where his mommy is and then he snaps and he just goes to the back of the bus he just slaps the little boy in the face, like, shut up. And then that's when the mood turns. I found that yeah. terrifying, also exhilarating, because I really like it when little fat kids get smacked in movies. And I think it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, no. I think it's so funny. Oh. <laughs> I think it's so funny. And he was being kind of a little bitch. He was being a whiny bitch. Shut up. And it then kinda, he kind of has an excuse. 
A little I bit get, of an excuse? I to get. To be a whiny little bit in that situation? <laughs> oh, man up. Oh, a scary guy with a gun came and kidnapped your bus. Oh, where, where? <laughs> so sad. No, I kid. I kid. I do enjoy little fat kids getting smacked in movies, but I'm he. You're right. But then, but then he kept whining. Like he didn't learn his lesson from that. But anyway, but regardless, that was terrifying. That was the moment when I was like, oh. Yeah, this guy is a freaking psycho. And then, of course, this leads to more lingering shots of the bus, you know, going through San Francisco scenery and going down the highway. And it leads us to the end when Harry uh, understands psychically, I guess, the exit that they're going to take and the exact route they're going to take. And he manages to place himself on an overpass bridge as the bus is is going down this exit. Yeah, Dave? That, that that's hands down the most unexcusable moment in the entire how the fuck did you know where they were that's what I was like I'm like if how did he know they were coming here skills like that there should be no crime in San Francisco I know like that was downright superhero but I will say that's minority report yeah he's, he's a clairvoyant clairvoyant <laughs> dirty Harry well I will say though that um, that kind of flaw aside that scene where he makes the, the bus driver go off of this exit and he looks out the window and he says, oh, shit. And, he's, and it's Harry standing there. I thought, I loved that reveal. Like, I loved that shot. This was like, the, that Eastwood was this imposing character and he is here. He has found you. And it, it was a great oh, shit moment, even if it wasn't didn't really belong there. And then of course we see, we get to see Harry jump off the bridge and onto Mm. the top of the bus, which is a moment that for me, I've seen done thousands of times in movies over the last years, over the last couple of decades. But back in 1971, that might've been considered some high drama. Oh, it was huge. It was definitely. But uh, again, you know, Harry, again, doesn't have to be a kid. He's a force. They, they, people just needed him to be a force. Absolutely. And that's how we kind of end this movie. There's a, a gun battle um, at this rock quarry. Again, more chasing. There's a lot of running. You know, I could have done without some of the running. At one point, Clint, uh, Dirty Harry, hops onto the belt that, like, carries the rocks. Like, he could have done that. Yeah. yeah, he could have just run, though. It probably would have been faster to run but he just jumps. I was thinking that too yeah but... <laughs> he just jumps onto the belt I'm like ah oh, I think you could have got that, that done better if you would just run but there's a scene there's a gun battle um uh there's a little quarry a pond outside the quarry little kid fishing in the pond which I was like oh I bet there's some great fishing in there but um <clears throat> he he takes the kid hostage and then there's a gun battle and Harry again this is another moment where Harry kind of turns into supernatural powers ends up shooting scorpio as he's holding the kid you know shoots past the kid's head and into scorpio scorpio falls into the water he's dead harry kills him oh oh not yet oh no he didn't kill him yet because remember he has to repeat the same line that he said to the brother of course that's right right he just knocks him down i don't know we never get to see what happens to the kid i imagine he just pees his pants and goes to get changed or whatever but (laughs) i like to see kids pee their pants after being held hostage (laughs) and shot (laughs) kids running off 
worst fucking fishing hole ever. <laughs> We're raising a generation of sissies. They can't even have a gun held to their head without peeing their pants. Little bitches. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, so the kid, you're right. So he, he injures Scorpio, saunters up to Scorpio. Scorpio's gun is nearby, just out of reach, but he might be able to get it. And then Dirty Harry stares down the barrel of his gun and says, Dave. Oh, I'm sorry. That's my point. You, it's your cue. <laughs> You're the Dirty Harry expert. It's your cue. Let me try that again. Let me, let me try that again. Dirty Harry saunters up to Scorpio and looks down the barrel of his gun and says, I know what you're thinking. Did he fire five shots or six? I gotta admit in all this excitement, I can't remember myself. But what you have to ask yourself is, do you feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Now, he, he over-exaggerated punk with yeah. it. Yeah. Punk. And then he pulls, and then Scorpio makes the grab, goes for the grab. He thinks he knows, but he doesn't. Harry pulls the trigger, and there is one shot left. And he does away with Scorpio. Very dramatically, Scorpio falls into the water. And then we see him floating. Well, see, this, this, this is the difference between brothers and insane white men. Because the brother didn't reach for the gun. Right. The, the insane white man went on ahead and reached for it. It cost him his ass. That's right. The black guy knew better. He was like, eh, I, I, I'm not going to take my chances. But I do got, I got to, to know. know. If you didn't got to know that thing. Yeah. 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 But... <laughs> Did you guys did you guys notice that when he when he was shot he died and he fell in the water he floated? Yeah. Do you think if yeah. it was a black person they would have he would have just went to the bottom? <laughs> well, well, but black folks don't swim. They don't so, yeah. float because they don't float. Because <laughs> they don't float. That's hysterical. Oh my gosh! I can't tell you how many people in my family truly believe that black people don't float. Are you serious? Oh, seen me swimming. I'm half black though, so I guess they're like she can half, she can half float. Then dirty, dirty Harry pulls out his badge and throws it into the water because he, he can't. I, I'm not going to be a part of this yeah. shit. Right. Like, if I got to abide by the rules, then fuck the rules. Throws That's his badge. I love it. the closing shot. I love it. He throws the badge into the pond and he just walks away. And we just pan out and we see Harry walking away and then we pan out far away from San Francisco city. And that is the end of dirty Harry, which went on as we know to become a cultural icon. To this which is day. interesting because in 2017, most movies like this are already built to have sequels. Yeah. But you watch dirty Harry and you can tell from that last shot, they had absolutely no intention of going on to do an additional movie that that was supposed to be it. But because the movie was so popular, they went on ahead and did additional movies. But that, that last shot with him walking away, dude, if they never did another movie after that, that's a great shot. It really is a great shot. It really is. And, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, it was hugely successful. $28 million on a $4 million budget in 1971. That's incredible. Oh. That Like, everybody saw this movie, and it was one of those movies where um, the uh, public loved it and the critics didn't. And I want to read to you guys uh, Roger Ebert's review of the movie. It starts out, uh, yeah, Eastwood doesn't care. 
he says to hell with the Bill of Rights and stocks out of the uh, district attorney's office. But when Scorpio hijacks the school bus, it is Eastwood's time again. Okay, he's just recapping the movie. Oh, here's the meat of it. It is possible to see the movie as just another extension of Eastwood's basic screen character. He is always the quiet one with the painfully bottled up capacity for violence, the savage forced to follow the rules of society. This time, by breaking loose, he did what was always about, what he was always about to do in his earlier films. If that is all, then Dirty Harry is a very good example of the cops and killers genre. And Siegel, the director, proves once again that he understands the Eastwood mystique. But wait a minute. The movie clearly and unmistakably gives us uh, a character who understands the Bill of Rights, understands his legal responsibility as a police officer, and nevertheless takes retribution into his own hands. Sure, Scorpio is portrayed as the most vicious, perverted, warped monster we can imagine, but that's part of the same stacked deck. The movie's moral position is fascist, no doubt about it. I think films are more often a mirror of society than an agent of change, and that when we blame the movies for the evils around us, we are getting things backwards. Dirty Harry is very effective at the level of a thriller. At another level, it uses the most potent star presence in American movies, Clint Eastwood, to lay things on the line. If there aren't mentalities like Dirty Harry's at loose in the land, then the movie is irrelevant. If there are, we should not blame the bearer of the bad news. End of... I wonder if he would have said that if Frank Sinatra played the role. Uh (laughs) That's a very good question. But well, the, Frank Sinatra would have had to had to do, um, deliver the line, uh, "Get the hell out of here, Hammerhead." <laughs> oh, that was a great line. <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> just, Ter- that was that was also a terrible Frank Sinatra impression, but a great line. <laughs> no, your your impressions have been flawless this entire uh, podcast, Lou. Really, truly. No, I, I it, the New York Times kind of gave um, a similar review, it, basically saying. Um, that, let's see, uh, Dirty Harry fails in simple credibility so often and on so many levels it cannot even succeed as a study in perversely complementary psychosis. What does succeed and what makes Harry, Dirty Harry worth watching no matter how dumb the story is Siegel's superb sense of the city, not as a place of moods but as a theater for action. And there is certainly difficult integrity to his San Francisco, which is not so beautiful to look at but it's fantastically intricate and intriguing, a challenging menace of towers and battlements and improbable walls. I thought that was a great summary of how the movie was shot. Mm. Yeah, but at the, so the, the critics didn't like it, but the public liked it, which is, you know, we still see, see this a lot. I didn't, again, looking at this movie through a 2017 lens, I didn't see it as like right-wing moralizing, but I suppose it was in that era, this idea of just throwing out all the rules and letting the good guys take care of the bad guys, however they can. I think just like anything else, you know, how we see things depends on the filters that are on our glasses. hundred percent. How we choose to see the world is how we choose to see the world. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Well, go ahead. In in the the sequels, uh, is that when, uh, uh, Dirty Harry brings on the orangutan. That, the sequel. Wrong book. No, wrong, wrong book. Book. It's another surly Clint Eastwood movie. 
The other thing that this this uh, any which way but loose, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. I love that movie. <laughs> There's a scene where he actually chases a bad guy on a bulldozer, which seems like the worst idea for chasing down somebody. But Kira, you got you got to add that to your list. We we got to do it. My list is so long right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do it. <laughs> Beverly Hills Cop is actually on my list. Oh, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Lou, yeah, we're, we're going to do Soul Man down the road here eventually, which I'm Whoa. really Yes, yes. Man. Yeah. That's, that's the movie that actually inspired me to start this podcast. So I'm excited to get to it. But uh, before we end, uh, Lou, would you recommend this movie for people to watch? Oh, de- oh definitely. Yeah, I, I think... Um... You know, while I said I think we agreed, you and I agreed, it was it seemed like a little you know slow here and there, but there is a lot of really great stuff that's packed into this. I mean, not only uh, you know the the way that the shot looks great, um, San Francisco at least at this at this time is I think becomes a a, a character in its own. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you get to see that. And uh, no, I think it's totally totally worth uh, worth watching, and it, it's good to have you know sort of a starting point where. Basically, it looks like every cop movie after this, you know, takes their uh, their inspirations. Like even the the suicide um, scene that I the attempted suicide scene that I, I described uh, earlier, you could see that in Lethal Weapon. I'm like, oh, bam, mm. that's where Lethal Weapon got yeah. their idea. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think it's an important uh, flick on on that uh, as far as that goes. Yeah. And Dave, I, I feel like I already know your answer, but uh, would you uh, recommend this movie for people to watch? I think for a variety of reasons, people people should watch this movie. It, it, one, it's it's a it's a fixture in American cinema. Yeah. Uh, and it is the beginnings of what you know eventually became Sylvester Stallone, what eventually became Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. the, the catchphrase the, the the catchphrase for a movie began with Dirty Harry. You know, everybody right. knew uh, what wasn't said in this one, but what was said in the next one, which is "Go ahead, make my day." That's a right. yeah. That's that that's a Dirty Harry icon. So, yeah, I mean, certainly. I, I, I would think that, you know, with the politics and, and the, you know, uh, what's going on in society now, there are some people that would have a major problem with Dirty Harry mm-hmm. uh, and the police kind of taking the law into their own hands. But the reality is, it's you know, it's, it, is it a great movie? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> But, but it's I, good. I do think it's a part of. A, I think it's good. It's a good movie, and yeah. I think it's a part of a, a American center. I agree. I, I agree with both of you guys. I would recommend this movie um, if you're just like like my, you know, oh, my mother-in-law. She just watches movies just you know to be entertained. She has no kind of cultural attachment to them, or she doesn't read anything into them. She likes like Kirk Cameron movies, you know, like all oh, she'll see. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you have to read Salvation into those movies, though. Well, there better it, be some Salvation. Well, sure, but she's not like, she doesn't care that the acting is terrible and the writing is bad. Oh, okay. That kind of stuff. Right. And so if you're one of those people, then no, don't watch this movie because you won't be entertained. But if you do like the history of movies, if you're a Clint Eastwood fan and you're just curious to see something that is outside of our era, this is very much worth the watch just to be familiar with some of the movie, the some of the tools that they used that became commonplace after this that we take for granted now, but that were so groundbreaking then and 
uh, just from a technical technical perspective, the shots are, they really are amazing. I mean, really, you can see why so many people were enamored of this movie. And it captures the spirit of San Francisco wonderfully. And I think in a way that probably couldn't be done today. Uh, it captures... I think in the, in the spirit of the 70s, period. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it is... And I do recommend watching this as we move into the era of Trump because there are parallels. I think it's interesting as somebody who's a history buff, I think it's also interesting this idea of what goes around comes around. You know, we're kind of back in that same place. And I don't know. I, I highly recommended it. I, I was like Lou. I felt like it dragged. You know, it didn't it didn't satisfy my 2017 sensibilities about how a movie should be paced. But it was a visual masterpiece. And, and one thing, guys, that, that really stood out to me is, like, this movie was filmed in 1971, and Clint Eastwood was old then. And he still, mm. like, got a thriving movie career. And in 1971... Wonder, did he just direct something last... I think he just directed something last year. Yeah, he did. Uh, I, I think, yeah. Yeah. So he's got to be, what, uh, 107? He's, like, 80. <laughs> I think he's wow. 80. And I have been in a room with Clint Eastwood a couple of times and like not been able to introduce myself or anything, but been like at a dinner where he's in po- close proximity. And I will tell you that he earns every bit of his star quality. He has an energy. I mean, you see him stand up and that man is so tall, but he, he just commands the room and he's as quiet in real life. He's not a people person. He's not a talker. But yet, every word he says is just kind of enthralling. Uh, and there's a reason why he's become such a major um, icon. I do want to ask you guys before we end, um, if we were to, could we make this movie today? Could this movie be made today? And if so, how would it be cast? I do believe the movie could be made today. I think the response would be completely different. And I think, what do you think, Lou? Um, no, I think it could be made today. I wonder um, uh, how the how Scorpio would change. Like if he would have like a like a more uh, specific target. You mm-hmm. know, if he's targeting like um, like if he's targeting just the trans community, right, or something like that, and that people would you know um, you know be more like yeah, go get that asshole. But, yeah, I feel and like as far as casting is concerned, uh, it's that's real easy because the the modern day Clint Eastwood is Christopher Platt. Chris Pratt. Yep. Do you think so? Because he's a funny guy, though. He's like witty, funny guy. Would maybe that would be folded into the Dirty Harry character? His wittiness. I think if you saw um, what's the movie that the the Dirty, not the Dirty Dozen, uh, Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven. Yes. I haven't as, seen as it yet. As soon as he came on the screen, I said, "Oh my God, he's Clint Eastwood." Really? I didn't realize that that's who he is. Oh wow! Is. I, I it's on my. I actually am planning to watch it tonight. Um, I've been wanting, I love Antoine Fuqua and of course I'll see anything Denzel's in. So, um, it's been on the docket for a while. Uh, that's interesting. Well, I'll watch with that in mind of, uh, you'd have to have more roles for women. No doubt about it. Mm. Um, there'd have to be a major female character. Um, and then I think Lou's right. This would have a more heavy handed political bent, if it were made today, I would imagine, like, I would imagine Scorpio being like, a Tea Party, Trump supporter, like stereotypical right wing nut job uh, type character. And then Dirty Harry might be 
on the more liberal end, bringing justice. I, I think or, that, or uh, dirty Henrietta or something like that. Yeah, gender bending is all of the rage, and I was thinking about that too. What would could we make dirty Harry a woman? And in that case, we could, but then we would have to switch this to a B movie, which would star uh, Gina Gershon or not Gina Gershon, Gina what's her face or hmm. Ronda Rousey, like one of those MMA girls. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, Gina. Oh, yeah. She, she was a fight. I forgot. Oh man, uh, her name's on the on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Yeah. And as long as they rewrite the line, I got to know. No, you got to keep it in. You got. Oh. <laughs> but you. But it's, it's, it's got to stay, huh? <laughs> it does. It does. Uh, one of my favorite things about this podcast is getting to see how black people talk in like the seventies and sixties movies, and they're all like, I don't know. My dad is of that generation, like fifties, sixties, and seventies. I've never heard him talk like that. I've never heard him like describe black people as talking like that. But in the movies, that's only how black people talk. It, well, you got. You should definitely review uh, um, Airplane. There's a, there's oh, a great... please do. I, you know, yeah. I don't think I can because Airplane. It's the same. It, it's the same reason why I couldn't do Blazing Saddles because those movies are supposed to be inappropriate. Those movies are supposed like that is what they're going for. So I, I've had a few people suggest that I do those, and I'm just I'm on the fence because everything about those movies they are made to offend people and to lambaste the culture and and all of that. So there's no like seriousness but, to them. But a, along your theme of could it be made today? I don't think you could make Blazing Saddles today. No, you could not. I don't. There's no way in the world you could make Blazing Saddles today. That's true. It, it offends too many people. That's true. <laughs> And as we talk, as we've talked about on the show before, David, it's not hard to uh, offend people at all. Well, listen, I would, I would remake this movie today. I think there is a place for this genre. As I said before, I think it's making a comeback. We're seeing it with things like John Wick, which is one of my favorite movies, which has a sequel coming out this year, um, with Liam Neeson's career revival with Taken. Uh, so I definitely think this could be remade, but I don't think Hollywood would let it be remade without a more heavy-handed political message to it. But this was fun. I had a lot of fun watching this. I'm really glad I, I, I saw it. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out today to do this. Lou, uh, what do you have to plug? How can people find you online? Um, what you got going on? Um, so, uh, yeah, if people want to check out my stuff, um, they could uh, watch my videos at We the Internet TV on Facebook and YouTube. We release new videos uh, every week. Um, check out my podcast, uh, Unsafe Space, and uh, follow me on Twitter at Lou on the Subway. All right. Well, thank you so much. And Dave, what about you? How can people find you? You got anything to plug? Any projects coming up? Always. Uh, you can go to my website, which is uh, showcaseentinc.com uh, to see uh, projects that I've worked on previously. Currently, I'm working with a group of filmmakers on a uh, series of short uh, sci-fi movies called Paradigm Gray. And uh, we're looking to pitch that to Netflix and hopefully get that taken care of sometime this summer. Yeah, all right. That sounds good. And, of course, you can find me, uh, Kira Allen, online on Twitter at uh, Kira Creates. That's K-I-R-A Creates. And you can also uh, follow our Twitter page, Hi Pods, H-I Pods, How Inappropriate Pods. And uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. 
And don't forget to head to the Facebook page and let us know, you know, if you have any tidbits about this movie, anything we didn't cover, any comments you wanted to make. I will read your comments um, on air on the next show. So uh, thank you guys so much for taking the time uh, to sit down and talk about this great movie. Long live Dirty Harry. Lou, it's been a pleasure. Dave, it's been a pleasure. Always. Awesome. Phantom Sway Podcast. Music. Books. Ritual Human Sacrifice. Wait, 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 wait. Not that last one. PhantomSway.com.